the only way to find out is trying it, is putting yourself in those shoes. Like maybe not drop everything all at once and put your eggs all in one basket, but find, like I said, I've done courses here or like coming over first to America. I did summer intensives, like dance summer intensives to test out the waters and do your research as well. Uh, But yeah, the biggest thing is just experience. Get out there and experience it yourself to find out what works and what you really like. Because maybe what you pictured of what you thought you'd love and envisioned actually isn't correct for you. And you don't realize that until you actually put yourself in those shoes. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Active Ingredient Podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I am a deeply curious person who is constantly on a mission to uncover the light that exists within all of us. On this podcast, I talk to people from all walks of life who have uncovered their light and actively cultivate it in their everyday, whether it be through career, relationships, spirituality, or a combination of the three. My hope is that these conversations help us start uncovering our own light that already exists within us, which is what I like to call our active ingredient so that we can tap into it, bring it to the forefront and live the lives that we were intended to. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. I hope that you guys are having a great start to your week. And I'm really excited for this episode and sharing it with you guys because it is with someone who has just the most infectious energy ever and who really has a dream career. At least for me, this was like literally my childhood dream growing up. Um, This week's episode is with Jackie Aitken, who is a, like I said, a radiant human, a dancer and a fitness instructor. She is currently a Radio City Rocket. And previously she was the principal and soloist dancer at the Moulin Rouge in Paris. So no big deal again. These are just, again, my childhood dreams. Jackie has been teaching in the fitness world for the last decade, and her method, Pilates with Jackie, focuses deeply on technique and alignment for better range of movement and strength for longevity in life. On this episode, we get into her journey coming to the States from Paris and previously Australia, which is where she's from, what it's really like to be a professional dancer and what that looks like on the day-to-day, being open to trying new things and being willing to be a beginner at anything, which is key, And then the one thing that really made a huge impact on me in this episode was when we were talking about her her life being a performer and how she is really innately a performer. What stood out to me was that she says that she performs for herself. I was asking her, you know, you guys will listen to her answer on this question, but the takeaway being that she does everything in life for herself and no one else. And I thought that was so powerful and I can't wait for you guys to hear talk about that perspective in the podcast. Um, And before we get into it, I would love to take a moment to ask you guys to please give the podcast five stars. It actually really, really helps with getting the podcast in front of other people that are interested in this topic. So if you can give it five stars on Apple Podcasts and a review, it takes literally two seconds if you go to Active Ingredient when you're searching it on the the search bar and um, scroll down, give it five stars, write a really quick review. And then also, if you want to be alerted on when there's new episodes, you can subscribe on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, So I would really, really appreciate that. And like I said, Jackie's energy is truly infectious. I cannot wait for you guys to hear her story. So with that, welcome Jackie to the show. Thank you so much for coming to the studio. I'm so excited to interview you and get a little bit more background on your whole Aussie to New York life, dancer life. Thank you for being on this podcast. No, thank you. The honor's all mine. (laughs) Okay. So I always kick off every podcast asking the guest what they were like as a kid that they remember. Um, And I love this question because I feel like when people are doing the thing that lights them up, a lot of the qualities from their childlike self kind of like are in your adult version of this like lit up person. So I'm curious, what were you like as a kid that you remember or that the people around you in your life said that you were like? So funny. So the first thing that pops into my, 
to my mind is that my poor mother would always say, why are you an angel outside of the home and such a <laughs> demon at home? And I'm like, whatever. And I look back, I was like, I am so sorry, mom. Like I really tested her water at times. And at dance school, I was an angel, so dedicated and quiet and always worked so hard. But when I came home, I definitely had some things to say. Um, and I had an older brother who is a man still of little words. Um, and I was just the complete opposite. Months, How many years? Uh, five year difference. Oh, okay. So, so in comes a little sister being like, beep, beep, beep. Yes, completely different. <laughs> Mom's like, oh, your brother, he was so quiet as a baby, never cried. Then comes me. <laughs> Sorry, mom. So, yeah, so there's that that I makes me laugh as a child, but I really was a good child, really, overall. I like to think I was. <laughs> uh, but then I guess that kind of still correlates to as an adult, I still am so dedicated and disciplined in my dance training, uh, but then outside the dance training, I'm a social butterfly. <laughs> Wait, so uh, yeah. as a kid, you were super, you were super disciplined on your own or that was like on expected my own. of you? Okay. On my own, I was very disciplined when it came to dancing and my dance teachers, my school teachers was, would always say, Jackie, like is such a, like a good student, so quiet. But then at <laughs> home, it was completely different. <laughs> so now, I mean, you're still dancing. So would you say still disciplined in dance and then you're like out here being crazy everywhere else? <laughs> yeah, a little. <laughs> New York life. <laughs> I love it. So do you have like your first memory of falling in love with dance? How did you get into dance? Were you put in it as a young kid and how old were you when you started? I started dancing when I was four years old. Wow. Uh, my parents put me into dancing for fun. It was very low-key, very casual, once a week at, like, the local dance school hall. Ballet? I didn't even know what you're classified as. It was <laughs> really low-key. It was just movement. Like, okay. I was four. It was okay. just float around <laughs> in a circle type thing. It was nothing like about technique or really dancing. And we moved houses then when I was five. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest things, my mom was like, oh, we need to find a dance school for Jackie. So they just looked up in the paper because internet wasn't really around then. Mm -hmm. And they found a local dance school and they enrolled me and they're like, looks great. Cool. And little did they know it was a really good dance school. Um, some of the top training, like you'll get like in our state, um, and a well-known dance school in general in Australia. And it was kind of all over. Wait, where <laughs> so, in Australia? Uh, so I'm from Brisbane okay. and I grew up in the north of Brisbane. Well, that's where we moved to. And I went to a dance school called Conroy Dance Center. Okay. Yeah, so, so how many years were you at that center? I was at that dance school till I was 18 and flooded off professionally dancing wow. overseas. So I trained my whole life there. Okay, so in this studio, you're going to school and people around you, are they also as disciplined in their own things, like in sport or in different things? Like, I always like to understand the mindset of someone so young that finds this passion. Like, mm -hmm. were the people around you kind of in that same disciplined mindset with their extracurricular activities from school? Or was that just like your own true love of dance that you did that on your own? A bit of both. I definitely had that love of dance and that was my life. As a young kid, I was that kid that would be too sick to go to school. But when it rolled over to the afternoon, I was totally okay. I could go to dance school, mom. Like, I can definitely go to dance school. She's like, but you're too sick for school. I'm like, yeah, 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 but I'm fine now. Um, so the I, cold really only comes from the hours of 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. Exactly. <laughs> After those hours, I was totally fine. Uh, but I definitely had friends growing up now to think of it who were in little athletes, um, into sports. I remember I was also a kid who loved to do everything. I'll be like, mom, but I want to like go to little athletes. Like on a Saturday, I want to play piano. And mom was like, I don't know where in your schedule I can find time. I'm like, but come on. Like, she's like, if you can find an hour or two in your dancing schedule, you can. And there just wasn't enough time. Like, but, that. but that's such a good life lesson. I can't tell you how many times I now as a full adult woman, I'm like, well, I want to try this and I want to try this. And it's, that, that is a good lesson to learn. It's like, well, are you willing to sacrifice that? Are you willing to sacrifice dance? You know? Yeah. It definitely was a life lesson. Now looking back at it, didn't know it at the time. Right, right, but right. Yeah. I definitely also like loves the people around me as like a kid, as a little eight to 10 year old with my friends who are doing sports. Um, and there definitely was 
a guy, one of my good friends growing up called Robbie Cruz, he was heavily into soccer. And I look back at our primary school end of year book and it says in there, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And both of us like put, I put dancing and he put a soccer player and from our little suburban town where the only two clearly that made our childhood dreams come true. And I look back as an adult and I have recently, I was like, this is crazy. And I still talk to him to this day. And I was like, wow, we're like these little kids who are still doing what we loved. That like, is as an adult. Insane. I have goosebumps all over my legs right now. <laughs> I look back, I was like, wow, it's like this little suburb town. I'm always so intrigued by people who know what they want. Like I have a mix of people on this podcast. Some people mm-hmm. that it literally like they figured it out at 40 or some people that are like still figuring it out at 40 or some people that figured it out at 20. But I am most intrigued by people who figure it out or not even figure it out. Just know from like the moment they're basically born that this is what they want to do. I feel like a lot of doctors have that kind of, mm-hmm. you know, this is what I want. You have to have that. Um, and I, I, I'm just so fascinated by people that that have that in them so obviously, you know? Yeah, and it always was my whole childhood. I can't remember any, like, exact moment that, like, clicked and said, this is definitely what I'm going to do professionally. It just happened. Like, there wasn't any other option or idea. It just was my thing I did since I was five. <laughs> Are you that definite with everything else in life? Um, No. And, like, it even goes with, with my dancing career – I've changed a lot. Uh, even when I was 18 years old, moved to Paris, and then I'll be like, oh, but I, there's something else I want to do. I'll go do a cruise ship. Actually, I want to go back home to Australia. Actually, I want to do this. So I was disciplined and knowing that I always wanted to dance, but I always like to try things out. So it's like the backbone is dance, and then within that backbone, there's like kind of flexibility. Exactly. I love it. Okay. So while you were in this school, what were you trained in? Was it classical ballet? What What was your favorite thing that you were learning? Trained in everything. So jazz, tap, ballet, musical theater, hip hop, acrobatics, which I was never very good at. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so trained in everything. And of course, my two strongest suits were jazz and ballet. I remember like being really strong in ballet And I started growing too tall. My ballet teacher was like, you're growing too tall to be a ballerina. And I'm five foot nine, maybe a little over five foot nine. Um, So that's when I knew maybe ballet wasn't like the dancing route I was going to go down. And I also know for those dancers out there, I wasn't naturally born with those beautiful feet or the natural turnout. I was just really good and strong and dedicated. Um, But yeah, so But do you think that now, like someone listening, maybe like in their teens, like is the, is that still the mindset of dance? I feel like there actually have been changes in the dance community on what is like a quote unquote ballerina or what that like look is. Um, has it has it changed? Definitely, okay. definitely, it has changed. Like, can a five nine person yes. listening you pursue a career in ballet? Yes, and that's what now I know being an adult, and also these times have changed, and also just seeing professional dancers and ballerinas here. I worked with some ballerinas just the other month and they're all my heights. And I was like, so yes, the height now isn't a limit um, with becoming a ballerina. And uh, But there are maybe some limits with if you're naturally born, but if you work hard enough, of course, you've got to get there. I love that we, we've come to this place <laughs> because that is, it really is limiting. I mean, ob- the obvious conversation has always been about like your body weight and how your body is structured in that, in that regard, definitely height. But I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm happy to hear that anyone listening right now can actually think that they can pursue a career yes, in dance. Absolutely. Definitely now in the modern day, I'm very grateful for now the times um, yeah. that are changing, but it is capable for everybody. Amazing. Okay. So at 18 years old, you decide it is time for you to leave. Did you, did you go to university or no? (laughs) Okay. I need to hear everything about the decision process there. Why Paris? How did you land the Moulin Rouge, et cetera? So at my dance school, I did a full-time year training after I finished high school, which Mm -hmm. is very common in Australia, a one-year or two-year now full-time training course. I did that. Moulin Rouge. Is that specific to the dance community only or in most careers? Dance community. Okay. Yes. If you were to dance, you would go to college or what we call university. Okay. Definitely. 
Uh, Did you notice I said university because I know Australians good, say that? Yeah. <laughs> I always have to say college, university, you know, <laughs> now I'm like I've been here for a while. What do I say? <laughs> no, I know you Aussies say university by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so university, thank you for translating that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I did that full-time course and Moulin Rouge actually scout and travel to Australia every year or every other year and audition to find women. And I auditioned when I was 17. I just thought, let's just go get some experience. And I landed a job, which I still have no idea. I remember getting, oh, back then, emails weren't even a thing. I got a letter posted in the mail with no, an offer. No, <laughs> I remember a friend, she got a letter saying, not this time. She also was a year younger than me as well. So she was very young. And she was like, oh, my mom just got like a letter in the mail saying not this time, come back again. And I remember I was like, I must call my mom. I must call my mom. Mom, like check the letterbox. <laughs> and I was at dance school on the phone and she checked the letterbox and I got the letter. So um, what is, is that like, okay, you have this offer, you have to make a decision by when? So yeah, so I had an offer because I wasn't 18. You have to be 18 mm. to accept and work overseas. So they waited. I forget what month. I should really remember what month they offered it to me, but I had to wait. My 18th birthday was August and I believe they wanted me to move there like September, October. And I knew personally I was not ready. I still was too young. I needed to finish my course. I just needed to be still like a kid still at home. Mm -hmm. And so I actually turned down the offer. That's very mature of you. I know. I love That's to very so mature that. at that age to know that to know that you needed that. Yeah, I turned it down. It was a tough choice. I was like, are people just telling me what I should do? Like, should I rebel against them? Like, no, this is what I'm gonna do. But I I knew I was like, I'm not ready to move um out of home yet. Then they offered me another job in December, and I was like, not ready still. <laughs> I turned it down Playing twice. Playing hard to get, Jackie. I know. <laughs> People like say what? I was like, yeah, I turned them down twice. And then they offered me, they're like, how about then April the following year? And of course, I was definitely ready. Every time, just out of curiosity, were the offers getting better and better? Oh, no, or no, they were staying the same. Same offer, just come here. <laughs> oh, okay, 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 okay. So you make this decision to move to Paris, right? Yes. What was that like as an 18-year-old? And how long were you there for? As an 18-year-old, I look back, I thought I knew it all. I really didn't. I had traveled, though, which was one thing. I, though I traveled only to America as a kid, I have never, I had never gone to Europe. And my parents left me at the airport, 18, and waved me goodbye <laughs> at the Brisbane oh airport. God. I look back, and, like, we were a mess, like, sobbing, crying. Um, but it was a very, very big learning curve. I arrived <laughs> I arrived to Paris and, of course, the foreign language was a big curveball. Oh, yeah. And going to a foreign airport, I exited the airport without collecting my luggage. <laughs> I didn't know where to go. All the signs were so confusing, like in French. And then I exited and I was like, Wait a minute. Was this the first time that you had traveled by yourself? Yes. I'd always been with somebody, like as a chaperone, like dancing right. as a kid. And it was my first time alone. And I exited without collecting my luggage, which I think I had like three huge suitcases because I was moving my life over to Paris. And I remember having to find a security guard, like, you know, the airport. I was like, um, English, English. Like, oh, my it's God. Like, I left. I accidentally left the security by collecting my luggage. And they were very nice and understanding and let me, like, go like back in to find like the carousel to get my luggage. And I look back now, I was like, wow, I really had no idea. But um, it was a very big But it's honestly fascinating up. to me that like, like we figured things out at that age and there was like no internet. There, there was, was no, there was internet. no Duolingo to like understand how to, there was no Google Translate. No. Like you're figuring this out on the fly with no resource. Yes. No Google Maps, nothing. Like that's my experience in Paris was having a paper map in my wallet at all times. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, but my first contract in Paris was year, year and a half. Um, I was very in and out. And then I left back home to work professionally for a year. Then I came back to Paris for, I think, a year and a half again. And then I left to do a cruise ship. And then I came back for two years. I was so in and out, um, always wanting to explore. But if you add up the whole like period, like all those times that I was working in Paris, it equals to about nearly six years. 
Wow. What else there? Are you fluent in French now? I should be. Oh. Tell, me, tell us something. Tell us something. <laughs> Give us a little French. You're putting French. me on this one. <laughs> I can get by when I'm there. I can get by. Last time I was there, my boyfriend was very impressed by my French, and he speaks fluent Spanish. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So he was impressed. Uh, but, yeah, I definitely – that's one regret. I was like, I really sh- should have been stronger. But I was around – so many English people, they mm-hmm. talk to us in English. Um, and a fun fact is actually in Moulin Rouge in Paris that over half of the ladies and our men are Australian. No people way. People don't know that. They're like, say what? I was like, yeah, we're, they just love the Australians. They love. Do you I, know why? Like what it is? I think they just love our dance training. They love our work ethic. Uh, they just love us. <laughs> What can I say? But yeah, that's amazing. It's yeah, really fun fact. They're like, what? That's like, there's not actually many French dancers at the Moulin Rouge. They're all, we all come from all over the world. That's um, really, really interesting. Okay, so for someone listening that has absolutely no concept of what it is to be a professional dancer, what did these six years look like? Are you doing this full-time or are you doing a part-time job to help with bills? Do these contracts protect you for like uh, health insurance, all of those different things? Like, What is it like to be a professional working dancer? My career in Paris, it was a full-time contract. You can live off it. Very fortunate, very lucky. Me being myself, I still dibble-dabbled in everything. I like to keep myself busy. So we worked six days a week. We did two shows a night, so 12 shows a week, which is crazy to think of it. Uh, my That's a- insane. My hours were insane because we would do a show 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. I wouldn't get home till like 2 a.m. I wouldn't get to sleep till like 3 a.m. And then like sleep nearly half the day. But I didn't like sleeping. Sometimes I did. But I would still, that's where my fitness career started. I still like I still like to do other dancing jobs and network over in there. In what time? Like, uh, I, in I, what time? I, 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 I'm like, where did you find these hours? No, because if it's six know. days a week and you're doing two shows, mm-hmm. is there, uh, what time do you have to get there to like prep? Or is there, like, rehearsal? 7.30, like, 8, I will get there for a 9 p.m. show. Okay. So and I are like, there rehearsal days? Or it's just, like, once you've rehearsed the show, you just perform the show for however long it's on? You rehearse for a month to get in the show, and they would put random rehearsal days whenever it's needed. It wasn't, like, set. So, but okay. you'll get warning. You'll be like, we're going to have a cleaning rehearsal day on this day. So, you know, you just have to block it off. But typically it's, like, 7.30 to 3 a.m., you're yeah, you're blocked. I'm out. Yes. <laughs> okay. Wow. But then I, to me, as a young kid, I was like, well, I have all these hours during the day. So I still did other things. I looked back. What did I was you like, do? Wow. Well, like I said, my fitness journey started there. I did other dancing like jobs, one-off gigs. I also started my modeling career there. I just dibble dabbled in a lot of things. <laughs> How are you finding these opportunities in, in Paris? Like without, you know, the language, <laughs> how, how are you doing that? Through friends. So okay. like dancers at Moulin who had been there for years would recommend me to people. It's still like the same thing even here in New York, just networking and people always recommending yeah. me to who they know. Okay. So talk to me about how your fitness journey started in Paris. What did it look like then? And yeah, how did that kind of flourish at the same time that your Moulin Rouge is still happening? Yeah. So a lady, she slid into my Facebook Messenger. Uh, where did she, no, she worked at Extend Bar and they were trying to launch it in Paris and she heard about me, thought I'll be a great fit being a dancer because it um, comes from like the dancing fitness side. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why not? Let's do this training, do some classes. And I really loved it. And I'd never really like done fitness, like fitness wasn't huge back then. I've never like maybe tried to Pilates or yoga class here and there. Your job is fitness. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like I just danced my whole life. We did do Pilates though training, Mm. um, but it wasn't like a thing back then. Right. Um, So I did the training, I did the course and I loved it. And I remember just when we had to practice in class and then do our mock audition and teach like a full class and practicing. I'd always get comments saying, oh, you're really good at teaching. Oh, you're, you're a natural at this. I'm like, oh, am I? And I was like, oh, I, I, I guess I am kind of good at this. It's like, oh, I enjoy this. 
And I, that's where it started, the whole fitness thing where this whole teaching uh, Korea, which now I like juggle still everything, but yeah, that's where it all started back in Paris, which people don't know that I've been in the fitness industry now for, yeah, 10 years, I would say. <laughs> Between dancing and fitness, which one do you love more? Dancing's always going to be my l- number one love, but also the fitness. I realized what, what got me so passionate about it is also it helped me with my dancing Mm. Yeah, and it's really gonna. It makes me dance better. Makes me stronger. There's muscles I never knew existed, even in the dance world. So that's why I also loved it so much. Is that it was helping me with my career. So talk to me about these like hours <laughs> because you're <laughs> again. I look back. I don't know. Young. I guess you don't didn't need to sleep <laughs> because I don't understand. You're teaching bar and then you're working until three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Who's I'll, taking class? I guess, I guess, are you teaching at like five or like was, right before? No, I was teaching the morning classes. What? I, I know, I know your face. <laughs> I was, I don't know. I was young. I was fine. I guess I look back, maybe it wasn't the best. Um, I got a few hours sleep. I'll wake up, I'll teach classes to all the Parisians. And then I would definitely go home to nap and then go do my two shows a and night. And you didn't feel burnt out? No. I also was into the European lifestyle of a lot of vacations. Mm. <laughs> so the way maybe, to live. The way to live. Maybe that helped me and I still kind of live by that yeah. where I do love to take vacations a lot. But it's like when you're putting in the work, you're putting in the work and then the vacation time is like where you get your energy back? Yeah, I, I guess so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So you're working at this bar studio, mm-hmm. right? How did you develop your own program? And at what point did you move to New York and what what brought you here? Yeah, so I was still working for companies. I moved to New York and I was still always teaching fitness, not because I needed like the money or anything, but I just loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, yes, a side hustle, but it was a side hustle I enjoyed and always searched for. And it was also one of the first things I did coming to New York. Mm-hmm. I was like, where am I going to teach? Uh, And what really started my own career is actually through the pandemic. I had been in this industry for so long. I just got over working for somebody else. I got over the people owning my own work and I just knew I wanted to do my own thing in the pandemic. I then also had time. And I'm loving it so much. I get to make my own hours, teach when I want, be who I want to be, be like my true self and teach the things that I want to do and how I want to teach them and what I think benefits humans. So by by saying that like before, when working at like a, uh, at, what would you call Milan Rouge? Is that like a theater or like when working, when working for like a, an establishment, I Mm -hmm. guess. Um, I mean, those are the gigs that you're able to fully dance for, you know, like when you're working for yourself and you're doing that for your fitness, I I understand like what that structure looks like from like a financial standpoint, but like to become a professional dancer and work for yourself, what does that look like? Like, are you still doing that? Yes, I'm still doing that. And even, yes, I, I dance and I work for people, but I'm still dancing and working for myself. Like, I guess I can still always say no to work. Right. Um, but like, by, I guess my question is like, sorry to interrupt, but is it, is it like, <laughs> is it the contracts that you were like, I don't want to do this for like this period of time because they own my work for this period of time? Or is like, is that, is that what the hurdle is for you? For fitness or dance? For dance. For dance, the hurdle, um, no, because I still like in contracts. I like the contracts. Okay. I like being set. Um, I like a structure. And But then when it comes to my fitness now, I get to do my own thing. Mm. So maybe the contrast of being set, having a dance contract, and then now being able on my side hustle to do and be free. Got it, got it, got it. So what brought you to New York? I was living in Paris. I was actually dating an American Mm. and no longer with him. Uh, (laughs) I'm with another American. Uh, So he actually had to leave Paris all of a sudden. His work moved him like within a month. They're like, you're out, like you're moving back. And I felt like my world got flipped upside down. And I knew I'd always wanted to work in 
America, especially New York, but I always thought it was impossible. Like I was like, there's no way, like how does an Australian get there? It's just not, it's not possible. Like with visas, like actually getting a job there, everyone is so talented, but I did the research myself. I was on Google. I was asking friends, asking any like American I knew and I found the visa that would work for me. Which one? Uh, O-1 visa. Okay. So the artist visa. And I found a lawyer through a friend who had used this person. And I had my eye on the Rockets. So the Rockets, as a young kid, my dance school, we would always go to America and we'll do courses and we'll do little performances like in Disney World and everything. (laughs) And I didn't know what the Rockets were as like a young kid. Like we didn't have YouTube again back then. Right, like the right, Macy's right. Thanksgiving Day Parade didn't exist on our you TV. You see, like for us, like that is literally our childhood. Like I, I can't remember a Thanksgiving without the Rockets. Exactly. And I was like, I don't have that tradition. Yeah. Uh, but I remember going to this workshop and my dance teacher was like, oh, you're tall. You could be a Rocket. I'm like, ha, ha, ha. Like no idea. And started to keep hearing this Rocket, like dance, like group troupe. And... I started doing my research more on the Rockettes and I found that they did a summer intensive. And I was like, hang on, before I actually put all my eggs in one basket and go over there and spend all this money to audition or even just like all this money on visas, let's do the summer intensive, see if I like the company, like their work before taking the next step. I fell in love with it, of course. I was like, wow, who are these rockets? They are incredible. Like, I was like, whoa, I've never seen anything like this. And just the training and the people and the vibe. Is it as magical offstage as it is for someone that's watching it? Well, to be honest, offstage is not glamorous. Really? (laughs) Well, like like, in a great way, like we're authentically ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're napping in the dressing rooms and like we're shoving down pizza down our like throats. It's, but it is like glamorous and and, like the whole Radio City. Hello, it's like stunning. Iconic. 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 I still to this day, every time I step on stage and like the first time in rehearsals, I look out, I was like, wow, like how is this my job that I perform here? But yeah, so this- What a dream. It it is truly a dream. And I still, to this day, cannot believe I'm just this little Australian girl that is dancing here in New York as a rocker. It's insane. But yeah, so I fell in love with the rockers during the summer intensive and I was very lucky. Things just aligned up. I was there for the summer intensive and then I didn't like fly back to Paris straight away and I had already booked my flight and then they announced having an, an August audition and I was like, oh, hang on, I made this audition. Let's also like audition next week. Mm-hmm. Went to the audition and as well, very, very lucky that they offered me a job and again, my world got turned upside down because I didn't have my visa yet. I wasn't like planning to move to like America, New York that soon. I knew I wanted to move like the end of the year, yeah. but I literally was like, Oh wow, oh wow, it's all happening, it's all happening and everything. I just had to pack up everything, get from my, Paris. From Paris. Mm-hmm. I had already like had work was working with my lawyer. So I had all my paperwork um, ready to go. And I've been with the Rocket since 2014. Wow. Yes. What an actual dream. I I I mean, as someone who grew up in America <laughs> and watching the Macy's Day Parade all the time, like truly, truly the Rockettes are just like everything of the sort. The first time I came to New York and saw them, I, I was like, this is one of the reasons why I need to move to this city. Like it is that yep. powerful. It's it, amazing. It is. It's powerful. That's it's like powerful. such a great word to use. It is powerful uh, what the ladies do and what they do on stage. And mm-hmm. it, it really is a dream. And I'm not just saying this, but it is like pinch me moments, like multiple times, multiple times. It's just like I have to pinch myself. And I was like, here I am. And there is one other Australian. And we're like the two Aussies that start at the oh. same time. Sophia, we're just like plodding along. We're like, here we are with all the Americans. Oh, my God. <laughs> So right now, what would you say your split is between dance and fitness? At the moment, during the pandemic, of course, was such a tough time for all of us. We didn't have a show. It's the longest period in my life that I've never been on stage, which was like really hard to to try to process and also not knowing when like the next time I will be on stage. 
in the pandemic, my fitness career definitely like took off because I guess the dancing career had to take a halt. Mm-hmm. But what I loved from the pandemic, it spiked my dance passion stronger again. Like I realized this is also still what I love to do. I'm definitely not ready to give it up anytime soon. Uh, That's so- very valuable because when you come back, it's like you're hitting the ground running with a whole new mindset. Absolutely. Like I'm so excited to get back into things. Things are opening. I've definitely had some jobs and I'm forever grateful for, but yeah, at the moment it's like a 50, 50, okay. I would say. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious because your body and your movement with your body is your career mm-hmm. from both fitness and dance. How do you think about that? Like, do you ever think about what that looks like for you if you, for whatever reason, get injured or for whatever reason, can't dance from a physicality perspective? And then the second part to the question is also longevity Mm -hmm. in the dance and fitness career. What are your thoughts there? Absolutely. I know there's going to sadly be an endpoint depending when my body gives up. (laughs) I don't want to think about that, but I think that's also what I love about my fitness career. And I teach Pilates and Mm -hmm. specialize in that it's making my body stronger and it's making my dance career hopefully like longer. Mm -hmm. I'm also very lucky that I'm not injury prone, though going to be honest in my thirties, I'm definitely feeling pains that I've never felt before. (laughs) Same. And I'm not a dancer. (laughs) I I turned 30 a week ago, by the way. And I'm, oh, I'm 32. (laughs) And like after every show, you really have to, as a dancer, you have to be smart with your body. You have to look after it. Like it's your career, it's your tool. So I'm very big and people know me. I'm always foam rolling my body. After the shows, I sit there and ice my knees or whatever needs icing. You're an athlete. I mean, that's being an athlete. Yeah. Like, and we have a very good athletic training as well um, with the Rockettes that look after us with any injury. They tape us like they are our savior, but you have to be smart. Are they like on the sidelines every show? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. On their little walkie talkies. Yes, they definitely are. Yeah. Back to like just thinking about longevity in the space. Like how are there role models that you've seen in the space that you're like, that's kind of a career that I want to emulate or I could see, I don't know if it's in a teaching role in dance and in Mm -hmm. fitness, or if it's becoming a personality within the space post Rockettes or, you know, how do you think about what a career in dance could look like for the long term? Absolutely. There's definitely people that I idolize who are 40 and 50 and still dancing and still have that passion. I can't say I know what's going to happen with my dance career in 10 to 20 years time because I didn't think I would be here in New York. It's like, I like to tend to go by just like the year um, at a time because you just don't know. I know for myself, again, like it's a good lesson. Everybody's different. I know I am not a choreographer. People are like, oh, you're a dancer. You're just going to switch over to choreography. And I was like, actually, that's not what I enjoy. That's not what I love. I love the body and I love teaching. And I think this is why I found my love in fitness. And I think this is what I will probably transition Mm -hmm. and what I'll love to do in longevity of my dance career is some kind of still movement, still teaching. And who knows, maybe I would love to be a physical therapist. Um, I've actually just recently gone back to school. Oh, my God. Because, like I said, I didn't go to university college. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I've just started going back to college. I have to say college because I'm here in America. Uh, yeah, so I have my eye on being a physical therapist. But at the same time, I don't want to, like, lock myself into that. Who knows? Maybe then I don't like that um, career choice or path or the studies. You know what I love about you is that that freedom that you feel. I feel like you're not like dance is the backbone, but you don't seem to have like a like a full tie to how that manifests. I feel like mm-hmm. your your identity is definitely in the dancey world, but you're not like your identity isn't tied to the exact way in which you kind of manifest that, I guess. No, exactly. Like dancing is me but I'm not going to tie myself down and say in five years, I'm going to do this, or this is what other people have done. And this is where other people have transitioned. And this is what I should be doing. Or like, I must transition over to a corporate like desk job soon. Mm -hmm. Like my age is going to be my limit. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going to do what I want to do. See where my body and my life takes me um, and just go with the flow of it. And I think also 
you should well I'm also I'm very intuitive of knowing like I have like a feeling I know when things are right when things are not um but yeah definitely going with the flow of things and I've been very lucky that it has worked for me um but yeah like it's true like dancing's dancing but I am still always open to try things like I definitely dibble dabbled in things I've done random summer NY like NYU courses like in marketing and business and I'm like nope not for me nope not for me (laughs) that's actually such a good segue because I told you when we did our prep call that the point of this podcast is to get into a really inspiring story of someone and their path to where they are today and just going through kind of like the psyche of getting from spot to spot but it's really also for the person that's listening that may feel like they want to feel that excitement that you feel about going to work Mm -hmm. at the Rockettes or going to teach your fitness class um, and don't know exactly how to get that. You seem to have a very strong, intuitive nature. Um, what advice would you give to someone who is like looking to live in that authenticity or live in that kind of flow and doesn't know what first steps to take? Is just to get out there and try it. I always get messages like, well, I like this. What do you think? I'm like, I can say what I think, but the only way to find out is trying it, is putting yourself in those shoes. Like maybe not drop everything all at once and put your eggs all in one basket, but find, like I said, I've done courses here or like coming over first to America. I did summer intensives, like dance summer intensives to test out the waters and do your research as well. Uh, But yeah, the biggest thing is just experience get out there and experience it yourself to find out what works and what you really like. Cause maybe what you pictured like of what you thought your love and envisioned actually isn't correct for you. And you don't realize that until you actually put yourself in those shoes. A hundred percent. How do you do those checks with yourself? Is it like, are you very, once you hit that wall, like you said, you tried business, you tried marketing, you tried all these different things. Like how long do you give yourself in each of those roles before deciding, you know, this is actually isn't for me. Cause something I do like to talk about a lot is giving yourself an honest shot. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of people seek immediate gratification. If you haven't reached it by, you know, two months, then you're like, oh, I, I'm, I'm not good at it. I fail. Right. Exactly. So how do you think about that when you're kind of dipping your toes in different things? When do you feel like you've given it an honest shot and it's either something you want to move forward with or don't? It's so true. You have to give it an honest shot. You, I always like to finish it. Like I'm not just going to not do the course, like just because maybe halfway through, I was like, I don't like it. I was like, no, finish it. Like still be dedicated and then you'll really know if it's meant to be or not. I can't say there's like a time, but just give it an honest shot. Of course, like even though I'm very lucky with my career, there's always going to be like bad or good days. Mm -hmm. So you also have to really evaluate, is this just like a random bad little period a few days of how I'm feeling? Or is this like a true, true feeling that I can't like continue this and like live like this any longer? What is it about dance that you find to be your active ingredient? You're lucky you found you you've known your whole life, but like what is it when you think about it deeply that really fires your soul up? Oh, so many things, but yeah, dance done it my whole life. I love clearly the performing aspect of it, but I also like love the dedication and the training and the discipline that it comes to be a dancer and people don't realize like really what's happening in our brains the mathematical like configurations that what's going on with like counts and musicality and formations. There's just so much in dance besides also being like physical that also is coming to knowledge and how quick your brain can work, especially when it comes to rockets. I was in shock with how quick the ladies pick up, how fast they're able to process all this information. I was like, wow, my brain has to get faster. And it was like such a challenge as well. Like, I guess it's also another thing. I love the challenge of being a dancer, but of course, like the big aspect of being a dancer, but the challenge of being a dancer, I really love. I want to dive a little bit more into your first answer was performing. Yeah. What is it about performance in general in front of an audience? Like, what is it that really lights you up? Is it like seeing their faces while you're doing it? The feeling of just like the curtains opening and there being a huge crowd. What, what is it that actually gets you? The thrill of it all, the live audience, the adrenaline, the butterflies you get before stage. Do you get them every time still? 
I want to say no every time, but still at the beginning of the season, like at the beginning of every dance contract, definitely. And if you don't have the butterflies, maybe that's when you need to start to reevaluating. Mm, okay. But I love the butterfly feeling um, of getting on stage. Um, I do it, yes, for the audience, for the performance, but it really just comes down to me. I dance because I love to dance. Like, if you don't enjoy it, I'm sorry, but, like, I'm enjoying myself up here. I love that. You're glowing, by the way, while you're saying that. I love to dance. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. What would you say your literal active ingredient is? Like, what is something that you have to do every single day? It could be dance, but like, it could also be you have to drink water every day or we actually all have to drink water, but if you have (laughs) to drink coffee every day, you have to eat a piece of chocolate every day. Like what's something that we call our literal active ingredient that you must do or person you have to call something that's an everyday thing. An everyday thing that I must always have is my green tea. I have one right now in front of me, (laughs) which everyone's like, oh, you don't like coffee. You're so healthy. I was like, I actually kind of wish I did like coffee. (laughs) I don't like the taste, even like tiramisu's and cakes. Like it's not for me, but something that I can't live without is my green tea. When I go on vacation, I bring my green tea bags in my luggage. Is there a brand? You no, no, just green tea. Um, when I have to think of that, like I guess it's like a coffee addiction. I can't function. How many teas? It. I would say two a day, maybe three, depending. Okay, depending. But yeah, it's like a the two last a day. guest that I had on said tea also, and I'm like, you don't drink coffee, and she's like. It's weird because my parents are such like big coffee drinkers. Like my mom has coffee to go to sleep. That's insane. I grew up like for fun making my parents coffee and I just didn't like it. Oh my God. Okay. I'm going to ask two more questions and then we're just going to weave them into the show. Um, For your current fitness, uh, is it a program or is it a, is it a online class? Like what, what is it like? (laughs) My great team. (laughs) Uh, Yes. So my fitness at the moment during the pandemic, it's all online Mm -hmm. and I offer all on-demand classes, Mm -hmm. which I guess is great for the pandemic, but then also for people who couldn't experience all the great instructors that big cities have. And I want everyone to be able to um, have access to this wherever you are worldwide, coming from a little town, which I came from. Uh, So yes, my fitness, what I teach is Pilates. It's all online and on demand. Is it an hour? Like what is it actually? Varies. It varies. So I have express classes on there that are 10 minutes. And then I have longer classes, which is up to 45 minutes. I don't go over the 45 minute mark. I think that's like a good, happy medium. And I feel like that's where people uh, is like the sweet spot of working out, hitting towards the hour. It's kind of a bit of a drag. And I yeah. don't want ever fitness working out to be a drag. It's meant to be for you. You're meant to have fun and you're meant to also benefit like from this class. From your experience, do you think that doing Pilates alone throughout the week, like if you did that four or five times a week, is that enough as like a full physicality thing to do? I say yes. All I do is Pilates and dance. Um, but you dance also, which can, that's it's the cardio thing. Yeah, So I do like cardio with the dancing on the side, but like that is enough if that's your thing. But I always tell everyone like try everything, mm-hmm. like mix it all up. But I do offer Pilates cardio, Pilates sculpt, Pilates bar, Pilates stretch. Do you give like a schedule? Like this is what like an ideal week would look like? I have programs. So I have seven-day programs mm-hmm. or 14-day programs that you can sign up to. So that gives you a schedule. But besides that, you can pick up whatever classes okay. you feel like okay. in there. Yeah, because I feel like that's – I love that. And I just need someone to tell me – like if my goal is to sculpt my body a certain way, like someone needs to tell me – I can't do like Pilates sculpt three days a week and expect you know that to yeah. be the only thing. Like I need someone to literally tell me like on Monday do this, on Tuesday do this. Do this, do this. this. Yeah. And I have – body focus classes. I have like the arms and legs day. I have the abs and booty day. Uh, so yeah, there are like also focus classes on there. And this what also comes with like the challenges that it lines up and I've made like rest days in there, target yeah. day. So you're hitting everything and you're not also getting fatigued in your yeah. body. 
Um, and then one more question. For someone listening who is interested in going into the dance field, knowing what you know now, what pieces of advice would you want to share with them before deciding to go into this career? Don't judge yourself on other people's journeys. Like I remember going in, I was lucky again, 18 working, but then some of my friends, they thought their life was over if they didn't land a contract when they were 18 or 20. And that's it. I was like, no, everybody's different. I know friends who had to audition eight or nine times to get like the Rockettes or didn't start their professional career till they were like older, like 20 year olds or 30 year olds. Or some people didn't even start dancing till they were a teenager is just. People started their dance careers at 30? Yeah. People like, Yes. What? They found their calling in life later. (laughs) I thought you had to start at three, literally. I know, but I've worked with people who started dancing when they were 16, 17. I was like, wow. So yeah, so don't try to think there is one pathway, one direct way to become a professional dancer and work in the industry. There is a different path for every single person and just try to stay in there and don't get down. Like if it's going to happen and you put in the work, it's going to happen. Last question. Sorry. I just want like from like a logistical standpoint, how do you think about your body? If like, if you can't, like, how do you think about is the advice to tell someone to diversify their revenue streams if their body is their work? I think about this with athletes all the time too. It's like, you could be literally the most disciplined or organized. You're like, food is perfect. Everything is great, but you get hit by a taxi. Is Do you think about like, what is plan B in that case? Yes. And it's something I try not to think about, but you also have to be realistic. And I guess that's also why I've always half prepped myself, why I went into the fitness and done courses. And now I've gone back to school because mm-hmm. I guess there needs to be that plan B. And also like, don't want to talk about finances, but be smart and also have like a chunk of savings. And as well, that saved me through the pandemic. And it's also saved me where I was able to move to America, New York, um, pay for my lawyer fees. Um, Like, yes, have fun in life. Like if you get that first dance contract, but save now, like, so you have a plan B and you're able to still do the things in your dance career, even if you have maybe a month or two quiet. in Yeah. The, the savings is really for the freedom of choice. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. But yes, but yes, we know there is a plan B. Our body is our temple. I just, <laughs> I think about it with everything like models too. If like their whole life is modeling only, I'm like, you literally, like you, you have no idea a piano can fall from the mm-hmm. sky, you know? Yeah. So not that I want to think negatively, but I also, I do, if we can give any wisdom to anyone listening that wants to have a career where their body is their work, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like as well, I just don't, I think also dancers and people dedicated in dance are also academically, um, advanced, um, also didn't like fail at school or anything and just put all the eggs into dancing. I think it's just comes in our nature that we always do want to succeed. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Very disciplined bunch. You guys are. Yeah, we are. (laughs) Though apparently not at home. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on Active Ingredient. Where can people work with you if they want to do Pilates? Thank you for having me. Um, you can find me on my Instagram at Jackie Aitken. And also you can find all my fitness classes on my website at JackieAitken.com. Amazing. Thank you. I can't, are the Rockettes back this season? Yes. Hell yes. Yes. Are you doing back. Macy's Day Parade? Don't know, but I'm just happy to be on stage. <laughs> Hell yes. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening. It would mean the world to us if you could rate and review us. And for more inspiration and quotes from the episode, check us out on Instagram at Active Ingredient. See you next week.